You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam radio station. You're listening to myself, Samar Angelis, and we will be with you, God willing, all the way up until nine o'clock. So, if you do have any questions, any remarks, any comments that you'd like to make, please feel free to do so. The number for you, as always, is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. And of course, you can hit us up on our socials on Twitter and on Instagram at Voice of Islam UK. Um, the three topics that we're going to be addressing today, um, if you're familiar with the breakfast show here on Tuesday uh, on the Voice of Islam radio station, you'll know that we usually speak about three different topics for about half an hour each um, after the roundup of the news, the current affairs. Um, so the first segment is extreme weather, its impact on human life. Um, in the second topic, we'll be addressing the benefits of drinking water regularly for our health. And last but not least, uh, we're going to be speaking about the homeless and what we can do to actually help them as well. So these are the three main topics that we're going to be addressing today. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, Jalees, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, all is well. By the grace of God, everything is well. Very good, very good. Um, it, let's uh, get straight into the uh, the weather, um, and then we'll get into the news, the current affairs, um, and then move on to our first main segment, shall we? Yeah, sure. So today, a large area of cloud and rain will continue uh, tracking north eastwards with outbreaks of rain for many, clearing from Northern Ireland later. Uh, drier with sunny spells in the far north and south. Moving on to tonight, rain is southern. Uh, rain in southern Scotland and central northern England will gradually clear eastwards, but areas of cloud will persist. Elsewhere, patchy cloud, clear spells, and the odd shower. Tomorrow, which is Wednesday, we see cloud lingering in the east to start tomorrow with a few spots of rain in places but a sunnier but sunnier in the west later on patchy cloud sunny spells and showers for many dry in the far south and wales an outlook for thursday to saturday we see that thursday will see a largely sunny and dry start but a few scattered showers will develop in the afternoon Friday looks to start mostly dry with sunshine for many. Clouding over and turning wet from the west across northern areas through the day. Saturday will be cloudy and breezy with heavy and persistent rain sweeping eastwards, clearing to a few showers later in the day. So that is the today, tomorrow uh, um, and th- from Thursday to Saturday as well. And we see that there are some showers scatter showers and um yeah sunshine what we had before the heat wave it seems like it's gone it's come it's come down and uh, the, there has been a, a rise to uh, showers here and there as well now mm-hmm. okay 
Um, we will be speaking about uh, weather uh, anyway. That is the first topic um, and speaking about extreme weather um, and other such related things as well. But uh, let's get into the uh, newspapers. So breakthrough uh, Alzheimer's drug and Greek wildfires dominate the front pages today. Um, a new Alzheimer's uh, drug called Donenomab uh, could be available on the NHS by 2025, the I reports, hailing it as a breakthrough, quote-unquote. Researchers have found that treatment appears to slow the pace of the disease by a third, but there are some potential side effects, including brain swelling, uh, the paper notes. There is also coverage of the wildfires currently affecting parts of Greece. Mm-hmm. The Times describes the drug as a new era for Alzheimer's, quote-unquote, with the charity Alzheimer's Research UK telling the paper this could be the point at which the disease becomes treatable, quote-unquote. There is also a report about the BBC facing a formal review into the future of the licence fee. A government source is reported to have said there is a growing unwillingness to pay, quote-unquote. Mm. A wonder drug, quote-unquote, is how The Telegraph describes Don and Amab, uh, with the paper reporting that some patients were able to perform daily tasks for longer after using it, such as shopping and housekeeping as well. But the lead story on the front page is an interview with Defence Secretary Ben Wallace, who spoke ahead of the release of the UK's uh, UK government's defence command paper. Its overwhelming focus, quote-unquote, is lessons learned from the war in Ukraine, the report adds. The Financial Times has a spot for the Alzheimer's drug too, focusing on the trial results released by US pharmaceutical group Eli Lilly. The company has submitted the Donamamab for approval by the US Food and Drug administration and expects a decision this year, according to the paper. In other news, under a headline reading, Losing Pace, quote unquote, there is a report about China's economy growing by just 0.8%, quote unquote. The business paper predicts this could pile pressure on global growth, quote unquote. A couple of Tuesday's front page uh, pages headline on scientists calling the new Alzheimer's drug a turning point, quote unquote, in the fight against the disease. Trial results uh, reveal that it gave some people at least a year longer, quote unquote, without symptoms progressing, the Daily Express reports. Atop the paper sits a dramatic image of trees burning in Greek wildfires and news that some holiday resorts have been evacuated. As well as covering the Donemab, uh, Donenemab story, the Daily Mail has a front page slot for the Kevin Spacey sexual assault trial currently taking place in London. It comes after Sir Elton John gave evidence as a defence witness on Monday. The paper reports that there were, and I quote, gasps from uh, jurors, quote unquote, when the singer appeared via video link from a Monaco. Uh, Monaco. And also notes that they are, quote, uh, they are um, old friends, quote unquote. The Daily Mirror leads with something completely different, telling its readers about what it calls a Tory trains scandal, quote unquote, referring to recently announced uh, plans to close 974 (coughs) ticket offices. Train companies will be taken to court unless they immediately halt the plans. Labour mayors, including Manchester's Andy Burnham, warn in the paper. 
They also accused the government of having a complete disregard, quote-unquote, for passengers. Mm-hmm. The front page of the Daily Star warns of hackers vowing to break into official computers, quote-unquote, and reveal the world's UFO secrets, quote-unquote. The threat comes from what the paper refers to as the nerdy group Anonymous, quote-unquote, the hacker collected, collective. Hmm. Uh, so just a quick little roundup before we get into maybe a few more articles from within the papers. Several of Tuesday's uh, papers, as you can see, uh, on the promising trial uh, results for the Alzheimer's drug Donanemab. The Times says the treatment can offer some people at least a year of, uh, of extra time without their disease progressing. Experts tell the Financial Times it is a watershed moment, but equally just the start. The Daily Mail cites charity estimates saying more than 700,000 people could benefit with the first patients being treated within 18 months. Um, but the eye points out that donanamab is not risk-free uh, after two people died during the trial from brain swelling, a common side effect which uh, resolved in most cases. The Daily Mirror reports that five Labour mayors are warning rail companies that uh, they will take legal action unless plans to shut nearly 1,000 ticket offices in England are scrapped. The mayors um, um, say a 21-day consultation is totally inadequate, quote-unquote, and the plan plan, punishes passengers, uh, particularly those who are elderly and disabled. Writing in the mirror, Greater Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham says the simple answer to uh, to concerns about the cost of railways is public ownership. The Rail Delivery Group tells the paper that ticket office staff will be moved to station concourses to help passengers there. Uh, The Daily Telegraph highlights comments by Defence Secretary Ben Wallace ahead of the publication of plans to modernise the UK's armed forces in light of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He insists the UK must pay for more tanks rather than troops because budget constraints mean extra soldiers would have to be armed with pitchforks, quote-unquote. With um, Mr. Wallace defends the reduction in full-time troop numbers during his period as Defence Secretary, saying his legacy is a modernised armed forces. A formal review of how the BBC is funded will be launched in the autumn, according to the Times. The paper says there is concern in government that the current model is unstable, uh, unsustainable, sorry. Uh, and after the BBC's annual report revealed that the number of people buying a TV licence fell by 500,000 over the past financial year, the review will reportedly um, consider alternatives, including a levy on broadband connections and a subscription model, where premium content is paid for, but the bulk of output is free. There is coverage of the decision by the Home Office to relax visa rules for uh, workers in the construction and fishing industries. Uh, Building companies tell the Mail it is vital that uh, sectors can fill vacancies, but the paper adds there is fury among conservative backbenchers who believe the domestic workforce should be prioritised. The Sun's leader column says it is a mad, self-inflicted doom loop because importing foreign labour to build homes will put further pressure on the housing stock, sending prices into orbit. The, Taley, the, the Telegraph reports that three cathedrals, Canterbury, Worcester, uh, Worcester, uh, Worcester and Chester, 
um, are going to welcome dogs for the first time as part of a trial. The paper says it is the latest attempt by the Church of England to boost flagging congregation numbers. Uh, it is hoped that uh, the, the dogs will create a more inclusive environment and act as an icebreaker. But there are some precautions with the policy of uh, Worcester Cathedral uh, reportedly stating that barking during services could result in disciplinary action. Um, so that is the the front pages. Uh, those those are the front pages for today. Um, Jalice, was there anything um, in particular which caught your eye? I mean, the the um, the, the new uh, drug for the Alzheimer's. Uh, I mean that that seems to be dominating the page, uh, papers. Yeah. Um, today. Um, I mean it's. Uh, uh, th- th- I mean, we did mention that uh, some papers have have mentioned that there it is not without any um, side effects. I mean, there are some side effects there, and they are looking to see if um, it can be used. But um, one thing which I did, uh, which should stand out to me, that it can be. Uh, one paper mentioned that it is a start to uh, treating, uh, to being able to treat or being able to understand how to treat um, such a disease. So I mean. That is uh, something that did stand out in um, you know in this this week's papers, but um, during my uh, usual week um, when I look look, look over the uh, look over the news and just uh, uh, during the week, I have um, I did come across one um, one uh, one article, um, and then that article then led me to do a little bit of research and you know see uh, the reasons behind why. Uh, such things are going on, and when I say such things, I would, I would, when I mention the uh, name of the article, or when I mention the topic that I'm, I, I am going to, you know, briefly speak about, which is, uh, you will know when I sp- when I mention it, which is um, that uh, the the new scientist has has also uh, mentioned, uh, published an article just uh, on the twelfth of July. That social media brings benefits as well as risks to young people. Now, of course, we've on the show um, previously we have spoken about the benefits of social media, um, but over here um, this title also mentions that there are risks to young people. Now, when I was just just uh, looking at the the headline, and then and then this 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 reading just the headline brings back. Um, all the other newspapers or news articles that had been released, you know, in the past year or recently, where we have seen where you know uh, today's youth have been uh, struggling um, uh, uh, and 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 um, uh, there there are even some cases where some some children, due to social media, due to the impacts of social media, due to the negative um, usage or negative impacts of social media, have uh, gone to such extremes where they have even committed suicide. You know, so we we see that the risks of social media is quite high. Um, you know, the, this when I when I read um, just the title, just the head headline of this, it reminded me of all those other papers that came. Um, that, uh, you know that were like coming uh, and being spoken about um, uh, over the news as well in the last year as well. And there was one uh, point which uh, then reminded me of um, something and uh, something how how Islam helps a person uh, to not fall into the you know this a, a sort of trap which 
uh, people usually fall into when they spend too much time on social media. What happens is that we've seen youth who go through uh, depression and ultimately, um, you know, they, they commit suicide. And this was mentioned in, a, uh, in, in another uh, news article as well. And this was, uh, this was increasing during the pandemic as well. Why? Because, of course, during the pandemic, there were people uh, locked down. People were spending more time on social media as well. And uh, it goes to show that the correct usage of social media needs to be uh, you know, monitored, obviously, by parents. But one, uh, one point which I wanted to mention, uh, uh, linking this back to how Islam can help uh, you know, youth from you know not falling into a, a, a trap where they where they may fall into depression or where they fall into any thing which can le- lead to such a you know like uh, lead to suicide. And usually, when we see uh, w- what I mean by this, usually when we see people on social media, they tend to compare their lives with the highlights of someone else's life, and uh, this often leads to depression and often leads to cases where the youth of today feel like they their life is either boring and they go to such measures of committing suicide. And there's one simple narration of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who and he has taught us that and uh, and this simple narration can help someone avoid such drastic uh, you know take uh, uh, such drastic things and, and falling into depression and various other things. And that is the hadith is that the Holy Prophet advised Muslims to not look at those who are, uh, uh, let's say, you know, wealthier than you, or ha- have, or it may seem they have more than you. You should look at people who maybe have less than you, and in such a way, you will then uh, automatically you will um, find yourself thanking God Almighty for the blessings He has bestowed upon you. Often when we see people, when they see those people who may, it may seem that they have, have it all um, and then they see how they, they compare somebody else's life, uh, somebody else's highlights of their life to their own life, it does it, it can lead to a person to, uh, like uh, as news reports have said, depression and ultimately suicide. But this one narration can help a person, you know, um, and 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 really put things into perspective in where they can actually thank Allah Almighty for um, the things they have. Because even in the Holy Quran, it says that if you were to count the blessings of God Almighty upon you, then you will not be able to do so. There are so many blessings that we should be looking at. We should not just look at the things that uh, that we so-and-so do not have. And the Holy Quran even says that do not uh, look at those things which uh, other people have. You should be um, spending your time uh, uh, counting your blessings that what God has give, already given you. And if a person was to follow this and follow the narration of the Holy Prophet, they can um, surely, I, I, and if this teaching is inculcated within the youth of today, then surely any um, any scenario where they where a certain person can fall into depression, which and can which would ultimately, uh, uh, which which in some cases ultimately lead to a suicide, can be completely avoided if this narration or this this teaching of the Holy Prophet is inculcated within within the youth. And you know, uh, if we're, uh, the majority or the, the entire world knew about this this um, this hadith as well. Mm. I mean, 
It's a it's a golden principle uh, that you mentioned of the from the narration of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that in worldly matters always look at those who have less than you. Uh, which and the and the result of that, like you rightfully mentioned, is that you would be grateful for the things that you do in fact have. And when it comes to religious matters, uh, things pertaining to the faith, um, and let's say a relationship with the Almighty, then look at those who have more than you. Look at those who are more pious than you. Look at those people who are more righteous than you. And when you do that, then automatically you would want to excel and um, uh, increase your relationship uh, and strengthen your relationship with uh, Almighty Allah as well. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a golden principle that we should be using in our day-to-day -day lives um, in which we can uh, benefit from, from greatly. Um, and with that, we're going to be going to our first uh, main topic, which is before I, I do mention it, because it is linked with uh, the actual first segment that we're addressing, and that is about the weather and extreme weather as well. Um, there is live reporting on um, the uh, Europe heat wave uh, as it continues, and there's there's updates uh, coming as well. Uh, the most recent update uh, on the BBC website. Uh, if anyone wishes to to uh, visit that and 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 uh, look for themselves, then of course they can do so. Uh, the, just the latest thing I'll mention um, uh, after Spain hitting nearly 45 degrees Celsius uh, yesterday uh, on Monday yesterday. Um, this they're saying that this can have a lasting impact on tourism as well as tourism uh, bodies and experts are predicting that soaring summer temperatures in southern Europe could prompt a lasting shift in tourist habits. Um, data from the ETC, the European Travel Commission, uh, shows the number of people hoping to travel to the Mediterranean region between the months of June and November has already fallen 10% uh, compared to last year when scorching weather led to droughts and wildfires. 7.6% uh, of travellers now see extreme weather events as a major concern for trips between June and November, according to a report from the trade body. So like I said, uh, if you wish to um, visit that and uh, look at uh, all of the updates, then you, that can be found on the BBC website. Um, just a quick reminder for you. Um, currently, we're going to be speaking about the extreme weather, its impact that it has on human life. Um, after the 8 o'clock news, uh, God willing, we'll be addressing the benefits of drinking water regularly for our health. And last but not least, we're going to be speaking about the homeless and what we can do to actually assist and help them as well. Um, so just getting straight into this first topic, uh, our nature is being battered by extreme weather, which is impacting wildlife aquatic uh, life and plants. It also affects the environment and human life as well. According to R Dr. Richard Hodgkins, uh, the hot weather in June is like normal weather in England, but lasts longer. This extreme weather is inseparable from the influence of the Industrial Revolution and human negligence, as greenhouse gases have been pumped into the atmosphere through activities such as burning fuels, which have heated the Earth's atmos atmosphere and according to the Met Office, along with natural variability, um, background warming of the Earth's atmosphere due to human-caused climate change has pushed the possibility of reaching record highs. So the first thing that we're going to be ex uh, addressing is giving some examples of what extreme weather actually is. Uh, we'll be speaking about 
uh, potential consequences uh, for the future for, for for us as humans of course uh, why the industrial revolution and greenhouse gases uh, actually cause extreme weather and how can extreme weather occur and how we we can actually tackle it as well um, but before we get into all of that uh, Jalees can you give us some examples of uh, of what extreme weather actually is yeah sure I mean uh First and foremost, you know, uh, you know, the climate change, uh, climate crisis has resulted in an increase in you know weather events around the world, and you know the f- uh, examples of this, and first one which you know strikes to mind is uh, thunderstorms. Right mm-hmm. during thunderstorms, there's a ra- uh, there's rain shower, and also um, you know one hears hears sounds of thunder. Um, as the thunder originates from lightning, uh, and you know they always consist of uh, always con- and it always consists of lightning as well. Uh, thunderstorms can be uh, described, if we were to describe it, it can be described as a sudden electrical discharge, and you know they occur, or they can occur during um, any time of the year. You know, according to the Tornado Storm uh, Research Organization, each year. The UK, Ireland, and um, surrounding seas experience around 200,000 to 300,000 lightning counts. Uh, which you know, I mean, uh, uh, when you see it, look at it that way, it's 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 uh, something which we see it becomes very common. Uh, the 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 uh, after uh, thunderstorms, the second one that does come to mind are tornadoes. And a a tornado can be described as a um, column of air which you know ferociously rotating uh, rotates. Um, it can extend from a thunderstorm to the ground. Um, normally, it's quite difficult to see a tornado forming because you know wind. Of course, it's it's uh, it's not visible to the to the human eye. Um, tornado uh, tornadoes again can be found all around the world. High concentrations of tornadoes can particularly be seen in the U.S., Argentina, and even uh, Bangladesh as well. Uh, the third is lightning. Uh, lightning can be described as a massive spark of electricity, you know, found between the ground and sky. Uh, so, I mean, clouds and air, I guess. Um, you know, one of the oldest observed forms of extreme weather is again is is uh, is I would say is is uh, lightning. Um, fourth, uh, hail, which uh, hail can be characterized as a form of, uh, you know, precipitation consisting of uh, solid ice. Uh, hail can be uh, particularly dangerous to animals and people alike, as it can and and seen as well over the news. I'm sure many people have seen that it, it can cause damage to even homes, uh, cars as well um, outside. Um, heat waves. Is the fifth one that strikes to mind. Uh, in 2019, uh, Europe experienced a heat wave that broke temperature records across the continent. Uh, France recorded its highest ever temperature of uh, 45, uh, 45.9 degrees Celsius, while Germany and Netherlands and Belgium also saw uh, record temperatures. Um, Droughts is one that does come to mind as well. Uh, droughts in, in 2021, California... If we move to California, um, experienced one of its worst droughts um, on record with water levels in reservoirs and uh, lakes dropping to dangerously low levels. The drought um, has caused widespread impacts on agriculture and ecosystems, um, which I'm sure is 
uh, everyone of course can understand why and uh, has also led to you know increased risks of uh, wildfires speaking of wildfires in recent years uh, we've seen uh, wildfires have become more frequent and severe during the climate crisis um, in 2020 uh, wildfires swept across the western United States uh, burning millions of uh, acres of land and causing widespread damage uh, Australia uh, in particular also experienced devastating wildfires in 2019 to 2020 uh, with over 30 people killed and millions of animals affected um, another one uh, would be floods uh, flooding has become more frequent and severe during um, due to the climate crisis uh, in 2021 heavy rains caused severe flooding in germany belgium and other parts resulting in over 200 deaths and widespread damage so we see that you know the the the, the uh examples of extreme weather uh, uh from thunderstorm to 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 lightning to um, floods does impact um human life of course and does impact the world around us as well yeah no no most certainly most certainly um and uh, we, we can see that the, all of these things are happening in uh, in a very close proximity and they're, they're happening <coughs> in the last uh, couple of years last couple of decades mm-hmm. um uh, within the last century yeah um and uh, we'll, we'll actually be speaking of maybe one of the examples of why that is the case now as well we do have with us on the line uh, an esteemed uh, guest for our radio station uh, imam ibrahim noonan who is of course a regular contributor here at the Voice of Islam radio station and, and he is a graduate of both Christian and Islamic theology and philosophy, uh, studied uh, intercultural theology and interreligious studies at Trinity College Dublin. Um, Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Assalamualaikum well, and uh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome and thank you for being with us once again. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on and speaking with you and getting your, your insight into the topics that we address over here at the radio station. Um, we're speaking about extreme weather uh, and its impact on human life. And we just went through a list of uh, of so many different records that we've seen within the last couple of years and decades um, in regards to... Um, in in regards to extreme weather um and and it, this this brings to mind a question um that can, is it true that extreme weather and other natural disasters are maybe the wrath of god or is it something else um well that's a very good question and i would say that um um in in many cases it is simply natural disasters happening unfortunately regards to the you know with with just the fault of humanity itself i would i would say but we have to also be uh have that realization that there will be and there has been and there always has been through the history of religion by the way that with that god almighty has always warned um humanity human beings that um if they do not turn towards him worship him uh, be conscious of him not being justice to fellow human beings. Um, he will uh, punish humanity or punish people. And you mentioned yourselves uh, just now um, about the various extreme uh, weather conditions of, of the of tornadoes, not tornadoes, thunderbolts and 
thunder and the floods, uh, etc. Um, we know that uh, in the Bible, as an example, and in the Quran, but in the Bible, as an example, you know, there are many examples of God warning uh, the people of Lot, the people of Noah, um, and all other forms of people uh, during the history of religious history, where God warned them, warned people, and then floods came, and then there was earthquakes, and then there was volcanic eruptions, which, uh, you know, destroyed and killed people, um, punished people, I should say. So it, it can happen. Yes, definitely. Like God Almighty will use the laterals of nature to um, to punish. And in fact, you're, just now you said something very interestingly regarding the the how close now all these floodings and etc are happening uh, close to each other. Has it Muzukulamad of Gadian, the promised Messiah, warned actually uh, the world? He warned uh, even Europe. That don't think you're safe, or Europe don't think you're safe from the days of Noah, mm-hmm. uh, meaning the flooding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it is, it is, uh, you know, um, definitely, um, Allah can use this to punish people. And in the Holy Quran, Allah has made clear that He's slow to punish, but if you don't listen and you don't change your ways, then He will send a punishment. And yes, that can be done through the. Uh, natural laws of, of, of creation. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, most definitely, and it's, it's interesting as well that uh, uh, everything is happening in in, in such a way. Um, and I, I wanted to actually ask in regards to what Islam teaches us um, about how we can actually prevent climate change uh, and, and climate climate damage rather, because uh, we've seen, especially in the last uh, so many years now, uh, more and more awareness has been uh, risen in this regard and more people are coming to terms with this. This is actually a, re- a reality um, and this is uh, happening. Um, uh, before we see or, or we saw a lot of people were denying the fact that global warming is, uh, is a thing or climate change is a thing um, but uh, because of these drastic uh, weather changes and all of these other things as well we are seeing that this in fact is reality um, so what can we learn from Islam about how to prevent this well I mean first and foremost um, again as far as Islam is concerned again the primary guidance for mankind is the Holy Quran and Almighty Allah has, has clearly informed and advised human beings to be moderate in their ways and to be moderate. And that's, in, in, in fact, you'll find that in in Chapter 7 of the Holy Quran, Allah warns uh, people, um, and he, in fact, he addresses the whole of humanity by calling them children of Adam, not to be extravagant and to be moderate in their ways. Uh, he likes people who are moderate. and. We know from the, the teachings and the practice of the Holy Prophet, and Prophet Muhammad, him, he himself also guided us to be careful not to overuse or to waste water, even if it's coming from a river. Hmm. You, you still are to be conscious of uh, not spoiling that water. And we know that from the Prophet, to eat in a very moderate way, don't overeat. Um, and we know from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, regarding cleansiness, um, regarding how you keep your own self clean. 
uh, is preventing spreading of germs. And if there's a plague, do not enter into a city which is a plague. I mean, there's so much which Islam has to give and to offer humankind, mankind, uh, that um, if if they were to certainly act upon it, I'm pretty sure that um, we would be probably seeing a different climate uh, in the world we're having today. So there is, Islam is very clear on this. And in fact, um, His Holiness, the spiritual leader of the world, world spiritual leader, leader of the Ahmadi Muslim community, himself has said uh, a number of times, actually, regarding, um, you know, fuel consumption, regarding forests being destroyed, as we know that in the Amazon, for example, in Brazil and, and these countries, where there's huge areas of forests are being destroyed now. And when you destroy trees, you do affect the climate, climate change. And, and, and therefore, Islam talks about this and uh, how we, we should prevent uh, and take care of everything that we have. Um, the Holy Prophet himself hinted at, you could say, vegetation, uh, gardens, uh, which produce sweet uh, fruit, sweet, uh, sweet vegetation, uh, to take care of them, um, to, to, you know, don't destroy trees, etc. Um, all these were done with absolute, uh, you know, taking care of, of, the, of everything that's around us, the plantation, the animals, uh, everything which, which, which could affect uh, people. So I think Islam has, is way ahead, has been way ahead 1,500 years ago yeah. uh, from the Quran uh, on these issues. If, if, if everyone was to act upon them, um, I think you would see a better, a better uh, society, a better environment for us today. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. I mean, it's just a, a, a fact, um, one of many, uh, in which we can see that Islam is not as people of today say that it's an outdated religion or or, or a barbaric religion. God forbid. Of course, it's it's given us the solution so many years ago, almost fifteen hundred years ago now, um, and even today, and even up until the end of time, we can and should be practicing these things, and only when we do that will we see that we will actually be living uh, in, in the best manner uh, and we'll actually be, uh, right now we're talking about extreme weather, we'll be preserving the earth um, and leaving it in a, in a better state than the way that we found it for the next generation and that is what is essential over here. Um, exactly. Uh, we, we, we see that within Islam, um, uh, Allah the Almighty has taught us through the Holy Prophet of Islam, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and other um, eminent figures as well, that uh, for everything that we do, there's a prayer. There, uh, and it's this is actually such a beautiful thing in which we are always in this constant remembrance of Allah the Almighty. Whenever we uh, take a, a bite of food, whenever we begin something, whenever we uh, go on a journey, whatever we do, there's always a prayer um, uh, for that. And this actually invokes uh, Allah the Almighty's blessings and on top of that it, it, it reminds us uh, that we always need to be in the remembrance of God Almighty rather than in vain uh, things and vain pursuits. So is there a prayer that we should recite when facing extreme weather and uh, natural disasters? There is many prayers uh, that you will see that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him told us and, and indeed from the Holy Quran as well. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, um, one of the beautiful teachings 
uh, are one of the beautiful things about Islam. And one of the things I, as a convert to Islam, was quite impressed with when I first uh, became a Muslim was how uh, the Holy Quran and indeed the Holy Prophet, peace upon them, gave us so much uh, in, in, in the manner of prayer, in the manner of being conscious of God Almighty all the time. Um, so much so that um, I remember many years many years ago and, and, and often, I use the word often in, in that whenever that thunderstorm comes or heavy rain comes, um, especially thunderstorms, when you hear this crackling noise of a, of, of a thunderstorm coming over you or near you, mm-hmm. it's quite frightening. And, you know, so the Prophet uh, taught us prayers. I'll give you, I'll just share some of them with you uh, regarding the, the hearing the thunder crack where where he would offer the prayer and he told us not he told us to uh, say the same prayer is oh Allah do not kill us with your anger and make us not perish with your punishment and save us before it overtakes us now that's a prayer when you know when you're when you're worried that is this something big happening now is 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 this going to be a punishment what's going on and and this just to put your trust in Allah and pray to him um, and, and the same with rain, where the Holy Prophet peace be upon him said, taught us, "Oh Allah, make us make it a source of mercy. Do not make it a source of punishment." And therefore, if you look what's happening in Europe now, just in Spain a few days ago or a week ago, you know, the floods that hit hit Spain, yeah. and people sitting on cars, um, and one lady was sitting in a car where uh, where the car was moving. I mean. Once you see things like that, that is when you offer that prayer by saying, make it a source of a blessing, not something as a punishment. Um, the Holy Prophet told also, and one of my favorites, which I actually pray, uh, funny enough, every, most every, every day, and that is, uh, you know, where it says, in the name of Allah, with the help of whose name, nothing in the world can, nothing in the world or in the sky can hurt. He's all hearing and all knowing. I mean, these are some of the prayers that are there. Yeah. And if, if, uh, Muslims, and if Amity in particular, any, anyone, Muslims, anyone who wants to pray such prayers, if we are God conscious, if we are really every day, as you rightly pointed out, being conscious about Almighty Allah every day, every moment, every second, then you will remember these prayers, and, and that just shows that you're turning towards Him and knowing that only He and Him alone can save humanity from any. Uh, damage, any any danger, any disaster. I mean, these prayers work, yeah. and uh, so yeah, there there's many beautiful prayers which we have from the Quran, and and certainly which the Holy Prophet peace be upon him has given to us, and and really we we should be really grateful to Almighty Allah for giving us the Holy Prophet peace be upon him for giving us so much. Oh, definitely, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, lastly, we, we, all of us uh, as individuals, we are adding uh, uh, to, 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 by, by burning fossil fuels and all of these other things. Um, but we, we need to do whatever we can to preserve nature and prevent climate change. Um, and so my, my question over here, really, uh, the last question that I wanted to ask is that will this be something which is actually rewarded by God? And on the flip side, will destroying nature, 
uh, of course, we have so many examples of His Holiness saying that even there, there's individuals uh, who, even if they need to walk 100 or 200 yards to, to the shop or to wherever, they'll take their car or, to, or their motorbike rather than just walking. Um, obviously, these are simple things that we can do to, to try and uh, uh, um, uh, better the situation. But uh, the, the flip side of the question is that by doing these things, by taking the car and doing all of these other things and destroying nature, is this actually a sin and can it be punished by God? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Um, I do believe that if a human being, whoever they are, male or female, whatever faith they belong to, uh, but then particularly within Islam, and I use that word particularly within Islam, because we are, we know what the Quran teaches, we know what the Holy Prophet taught us, and we know that if a man or woman is reckless, um, is not a, a responsible person, and they do things which, um, you know, how should I put it, with absolute with no care whatsoever, and just. Uh, pile of rubbish or don't don't uh, take care of their neighbor's garden whatever whatever they if, if they're doing anything to harm uh, and not add and help society or help climate change or help the environment knowing and willingly and willingly and intentionally they don't care um, and so therefore you know they may let's say take plastic bottles and put them out every day and, and heat them up in a group or big huge rubbish and then their the back garden is messy mm-hmm. yeah i do believe you're accountable i do believe allah will hold you accountable for your irresponsibility yeah. um as a muslim because he, we've been taught to be conscious about these things so uh if you have for example um a muslim who owns a factory or owns a business which entails having to take care of the environment making sure no waste goes into the land, making sure no, no waste goes into the local river. And, but if, they do, if they're doing that in their businesses, in their factories, knowingly and intentionally and, and without any care to humanity, these types of people will be held accountable, in my personal opinion. And they will be standing before God Almighty, uh, maybe even punished, hmm. uh, like definitely accountable for it, because they're knowingly and willingly doing it. Um, Regarding, the, uh, yes, regarding these people who actually, when I first moved to London uh, in 19, uh, 1986, um, I remember um, I used to never take a bus. I used to walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I used to walk from, um, I don't know if you, if, you, if you guys know Lucian, but I used to walk from Lucian to Greenwich every day. Oh, wow. Um, I, never t- I never took the bus. Mm-hmm. And I remember, why? It's because I was used to walking in Ireland. And when I remember watching people getting on a bus and one minute later jumping off the bus. And that used to really wind me up big time. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, in those days, uh, the bus ride was only 20, 20 pence. Now it's, a, I don't know, two euros, three euros, whatever it is now, or three pounds now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I used to get really wound up because people were actually, could be saving money. And uh, so, yes, I do believe that um, personally, yes, uh, if you have people who are abusing um, their businesses, abusing uh, people, like for example in Africa, the gold mines, there are hundreds and thousands of young children, slaves, 
as such, digging into the, the gold mines, no proper conditions um, and, and health conditions and environment conditions affecting the environment, the climate. All these, I believe, yes, uh, will hold these people accountable. Mm-hmm. And if you're the opposite side of it and you're taking care of these things consciously, knowing that you'll be answered by God Almighty uh, for destroying the climate, destroying nature, destroying trees, flowers, gardens, fruits, whatever, um, you 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 will be uh, you will get rewarded for that. That's my that's my belief. Most certainly, most certainly, Jazakallah. Thank you, uh, Imam Ibrahim Noonan, for 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 being with us, for answering our questions, and sharing your insight into into this uh, this this topic, this this very important topic, uh, because as we can yes. see, this this is something which we need to address. Uh, and the more and more we talk about it, the more awareness that we raise in this regard, the more people will be actually conscious uh, of this. And that's that's the, the, one of the key words that you used as well in your in your answers. So, Zakhler, again, uh, thank you, uh, and we hope you have a wonderful no. day ahead. Thank you, thank you, Zakhler. Keep me in your prayers, please. Zakhler, Zakhler. Alaikum, Assalam. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That was Imam Ibrahim Noonan, who is the missionary in charge um, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Ireland. He is the Imam of Galway Mosque, um, uh, Masjid Maryam. He and he graduated, like I said earlier as well, in both Christian and Islamic theology and philosophy. Um, some very interesting things that we've uh, learned from from that discussion, isn't it, Jalis? Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, I personally really. Um uh, enjoyed the uh, aspect that uh, Imam Ibrahim Noonan uh, mentioned about um, the uh, where the Holy Quran mentions that we should uh, do everything in uh, moderation. Mm. Um, and he was to give the example of the Holy Prophet where he said that if there is a uh, uh, not to waste water, even if there is a bu- even if you have abundance of water and there's a river before you, you should still not uh, waste water. And this is the measures that Islam goes to to ensure that uh, you know mankind human beings are looking after the earth um, and not you know just uh, if they have abundance of something and not uh, not mm, even if they have the abundance of something the, the uh, Islam inculcates within uh, uh, the followers or the, the followers of Islam or the Muslim uh, Muslims to make sure that you make most of what you have and not throw away um, certain things and it all comes back back to the blessings of God Almighty that we should uh, look at the blessings that God Almighty has bestowed upon us and in this way we should thank God Almighty and there it is a it is a a, a way of if a person is uh, wasting certain things then it's a form of um, not showing true appreciation to God Almighty yeah Definitely, and uh, even uh, towards the end, Imam Ibrahim Noonan mentioned that uh, uh, people take uh, the bus uh, even if it's just for one stop. Mm. Uh, and it, it's not just that you're saving money, but you're also saving your health as well. If it's just one stop um, and there's no disability or there's no problem or ailment in which you're unable to walk, um, then that even that one stop, um, a couple of minutes walk, not even a two three minutes walk, um, it's it'll, it'll do it'll do you some good, yep. some yep. fresh air, um, some exercise. You're stretching your your legs and all of these other muscles within your body as well. And of course, it is a beneficial thing for the environment and for yourself as well. So, what better thing can we ask for? Um, we are going to be continuing on with this with this uh, discussion uh, just for a little bit after the news as well. So, don't go anywhere. Here's the 8 o'clock news.
You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam radio station, uh, where we are continuing on with the first discussion, uh, which is in regards to extreme weather uh, and its impact on human life. Just as a quick reminder for you, um, uh, we the the other two topics uh, that uh, we're going to be addressing today in this hour are the benefits of drinking water regularly for our health, and last but not least, we're going to be speaking about what we can do to to help the homeless as well. Uh, so do stay tuned. And if you want to get involved in the discussion, then of course you can do so. The number for you as always is 0208-687-7878. And you can tweet us and leave your comments on our uh, Instagram page at Voice of Islam UK. Indeed, a very important topic indeed. And we have with us a guest. We have Professor Lewis. Um, Professor Lewis is a research scientist, presenter and author based in London, UK. He graduated from Oxford University with a first class degree in bio, uh, bio um, sorry, biological sciences and completed his PhD at University College London in 2007. He holds a professorship in science communication at the University of Westminster. His research is in the field of astrobiology and um, the search for microbio, uh, microbial life on Mars. His latest popular science world history book has been, uh, just been published, Being Human, How Our Biology Shaped World History, explores fundamental aspects of us as a species, from our genetics to our anatomy and uh, psychology. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings of God be upon you. Welcome to The Breakfast Show and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. You are welcome. Um, just uh, getting straight to the questions, we are on a very important topic. Um, and the first question is, would be, um, what are your thoughts on how culture has significantly changed human biology? Yes, what we mean by culture are the sort of practices and, and rituals that, that humans have learned to do and sort of pass down within society. And so one of the early examples of this in our development and the origins of, of civilization was how certain populations of people domesticated animals like the cow and so started eating a lot of milk in their diet. So all babies drink milk, milk when they're younger, of course, but certain populations of humanity in history started drinking milk as adults as well from, from the cattle and the cows and goats or sheep that they kept and so that was a cultural practice. It was, it was a good way of enhancing the nutrients in your diet. But it then did also have an effect on human evolution as well, because it started changing the expression of our genes so that we could digest milk when we're an adult. Mm, and people who live in populations that haven't historically drunk a lot of milk, uh, so a lot of populations in Africa, for example, have what's known as uh, lactose intolerance. It, it makes them very ill if they try to drink milk. So that's one example of how culture impacted human evolution but what I spend most of my time looking at in this book in, in being human is how the other way around is how aspects of our biology things that are fundamental to us as a species whether that's our genetics or our psychology have had an effect on history I see I mean that's that's really interesting um uh, based on your book um uh, could you um please uh, briefly explain why biology has influenced our uh, influenced the world history. Well, I think when we usually talk about history, we talk about things like uh, you know economics or politics or 
wars, these are often things that appear in history books yeah. as being important influences and effects. And, and of course they are. But I think underneath all of that, it's important to consider what is the thing which is shared by all, all people, all humanity around the world. And that's our biology, that's aspects of our genetics, our, our anatomy, our psychology, as I was saying. So we could look at our psychology and there's particular aspects of where we, we're not particularly rational. We suffer from what are known as cognitive biases. They're sort of like glitches in the way we think. It's almost like there's bugs in the programming of our brains. And this has affected, affected everything from uh, Columbus, for example, 500 years ago, suffered from a cognitive bias called confirmation bias. And these sort of cognitive biases, these glitches in, in our psychology, are going to be very important in our future as well, as we're trying to deal with very big, uh, very, very large challenges like climate change and global warming, which you're probably talking about at the moment with all the heat waves across southern Europe. Our response to how we deal with these global challenges is going to be affected by some of these biases and how we process and, and act upon information. Mm, yeah, yeah, of course. Um... And uh, so what is, what do you say, what is the role of uh, microorganisms in uh, human evolution? Yeah, so microorganisms and germs, you know, they, they, they cause disease, they cause endemic disease like uh, malaria across large areas of, of Africa, for example. But they can also cause um, rapid bursts of disease, which breaks into new population. So things like pandemics. And of course, when I was writing this book, writing Being Human, we were in the grips of a once a century global pandemic, which was the coronavirus um, outbreak. And pandemics like this have had a huge influence through history. We've already seen big effects on society yeah. of the coronavirus, you know, looking back on it just a couple of years um, after it started. Yeah. But looking back through history, things like the Black Death, had a huge impact on society across Europe and yeah, across yeah. Um, Asia as a whole. And there's been arguments that diseases like the Black Death started to end the feudal system in Northern Europe and, and Britain in particular, and giving uh, the laborers, the peasants, if you like, a bit more freedom and ushering in things like capitalism. So there's one of these huge long-term effects of microorganisms, of germs, on human history, and the book looks at a whole range of, of other examples as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, yes, I, um, at the end of your book, um, there is a statement that human development also has an impact on uh, climate change. Uh, today, of course, uh, we are talking. We uh, we are also discussing the topic of um, extreme weather. Uh, what is your view on this issue, and uh, what should society do to tackle climate change? Yeah, I mean, it's, this is something I was I was mentioning earlier that climate change is a huge problem you know it's, it's a problem that we've created as humanity and it's a problem we're going to need to solve if we've got any kind of bright future um, in the coming decade you know we're seeing um, incredibly high temperatures intolerably high temperatures across large parts of the world um, including the mediterranean including southern europe at the moment and these sort of temperatures just aren't survivable by humans if they continue too long and one of the problems that is affecting how we respond to these big challenges are some of these cognitive biases that I was mentioning before. Humans tend to be quite short-termist. We tend to go for 
um, you know, quick rewards, short-term rewards, yeah. rather than looking to the longer term and things which might lie over the horizon. And in various sense, this makes sense in terms of our evolution and how we developed as a species, developed as an animal. But we are going to have to get over these cognitive biases if we are going to respond effectively to climate change. And this means things like giving up short-term rewards. You know, all the things that we know we ought to be doing already, like flying off on holiday less often or eating slightly less meat. Or if you're buying a new car, maybe don't go for a big SUV if you're If you can afford one, maybe consider getting an electric car, at least one that's more fuel efficient. So we can all start making small changes to our lifestyle, to our our behavior, as well as starting to start demanding our politicians make the big changes, because climate change is going to affect all of us. And and indeed, it is already affecting us. You know, we had a a huge heat wave here in Britain last year. We might have another one this year. They're going to be getting more and more frequent because of climate change and aspects of our psychology which we're going to have to be working against to try to solve this problem yeah yeah indeed um professor lewis uh, thank you for answering our questions and thank you for giving your insight um into this topic as well uh thank you for joining us and hopefully we, we do hope we can uh, have you on again as a guest uh it was very uh, lovely speaking to you um have a good day and a brilliant week ahead thanks very much you too you too thank you very much Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. Um, that was uh, an insightful conversation and discussion uh, in regards to the first topic that we were addressing uh, with Professor Lewis Dartnell, uh, who is a research scientist, presenter, and author uh, based in uh, London. Um, and he graduated from Oxford University with a first-class degree in biological sciences and completed uh, his PhD at University College London in two thousand and seven. Um, uh, I, I think um, we'll move on to the second topic now. There, there, there are a lot of uh, things um, which uh, we, we which we need to cover in both uh, the other topics that we'll, we'll be addressing. Just quickly before we move on to that, a narration of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, that I would like to to share, uh, or maybe two even, um, is that a man entered the mosque when the Holy Prophet of Islam was standing and delivering the sermon. He turned to face the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, standing and said, O Messenger of Allah, our wealth has been destroyed and the roots have been cut off. Please pray to Allah to send us rain. Then the Holy Prophet of Islam, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, raised his hands and said, O Allah, send us rain. Um, Hazrat Anas, uh, who is a companion of the Holy Prophet, said that by Allah, we had not seen even a wisp of a cloud in the sky, and there were no houses or buildings between us and the mountain. Then a cloud like a shield appeared, and when it reached the middle of the sky, it spread and it began to rain. In another narration, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, one of the wives of the Holy Prophet of Islam, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that whenever the wind blew strongly, the Holy Prophet would say, O oh Allah, I ask you for its good and the good of what it is, uh, uh, what uh, is in it, and the good of the purpose for which it was sent. And I seek your refuge from its evil, and the evil of what is in it, and the evil of the purpose for which it was sent. So, as um, Imam Ibrahim Noonan mentioned as well, that uh, there is a prayer for everything. And um, uh, it is uh, hugely beneficial for us to use and utilize these prayers 
um, for our own good and for the environment as well. And with that, we are going to the second topic for today, the benefits of drinking water regularly for our health. Um, a study carried out by the Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, in 2013 analyzed data from the National Cancer Institute's 2007 Food Attitudes and Behavior, Behavior Study Surveys a Trusted Source. Um, and uh, out of a sample of 3,397 uh, 3, adults, the research found that 7% of adults reported no daily consumption of drinking water. 36% of adults reported drinking one to three cups of drinking water a day. Um, 35%, so similar, uh, a percent of adults reported drinking four to seven cups of drinking water a day. And 22% of adults reported drinking eight cups or more uh, in a day. And uh, he, uh, uh, um, the author, uh, he quotes that by the biologic, the the, bi uh, the biologic uh, requirement for water may be met with plain water or via foods and other beverages. And he went on to say that results from previous epidemiolog uh, epidemiologic studies indicate that water in intake may be inversely related to volume of calorically sweetened beverages and other fluid intake. Um, so the first thing that we want to address uh, in this regard, uh, Jalees, is what are the benefits of water for our health and how much water should we actually drink per day? Yeah, so indeed, the um, according to uh, medical news today, adult humans consist of 60% water and our body, uh, our blood consists of 90% uh, of water. Uh, in terms of how much water we should drink per day, uh, there is actually no universally agreed quantity of water that must be consumed, um, meaning that, uh, for example, uh, Harvard Health Publishing, um, you know, uh, according to the Harvard Health Publishing, there is no quantity of water that fits everyone or is suitable for every individual. Uh, however, there are certain factors that can be considered when deciding how much water you should drink. Um, your activity level would determine how much water a person should drink. So if, for example, um, a person has a, a, a sedentary lifestyle, um, then they will not be losing a lot of water in sweat. And so they will need not to drink as much water as someone uh, compared to as someone who exercises a lot and will lose water in their sweat. The temperature of uh, one's surroundings as well also determines how much water a, a person should consume. If you live uh, in a place where it's a sunny place, then you will need to obviously drink more water in comparison to if you live in a place where it's cold or a wintry, uh, winter, wintry area. Uh, again, a person's overall health, uh, uh, their health conditions also need to be taken into consideration when de determining how much water uh, one should consume. There are many benefits of drinking water, of course, such as uh, aiding uh, digestion, uh, digest, uh, digestion, um, regulating body temperature, uh, protecting you know various organs and tissues and uh, of the body. You know, and there's, there's many more as well. There are many. Uh, it also helps a person's brain and and uh, way of thinking as well. Uh, clean, fresh water helps our brains, like I mentioned. Uh, little access to clean water uh, increases the risk of disease and long-term health problems that can be prevented. Uh, by donating to 
projects like the Humanity First Water for the uh, for Life uh, project, we can contribute towards the range of clean water solutions being provided for people in uh, low-income countries. So, water, of course, it, it, it there is no set amount. It um, uh, obviously the more we drink, the better. And uh, if you are, if you have a lifestyle where you are active uh, and you uh, your body. Uh, you know, sweats. Uh, you, you are sweating, so you, you. It would mean that you need to drink more water compared to a person if you are in a place where it's not that hot, or you are uh, have a lifestyle where it's just uh, slow and steady. Uh, compared to such a person, you would be drinking less water. Hmm. Um, if we turn to the Holy Quran, uh, chapter uh, two, verse thirty-one. Um, it states that, uh, and, and and it shows us the significance um, of uh, of of water in itself. And he said that uh, Allah the Almighty states that we and we made from water every living thing. Um, and if we again, if we turn to uh, chapter ten, verse sixty-eight of the Holy Quran, it says that uh, He it is who has made for you the night dark that you may rest therein. Um, and that is essential um, because uh, we, whenever we, um, we, we mentioned this in our first segment as well, that everything needs to be done in moderation uh, and uh, everything that we do, uh, whether it's uh, uh, in the first topic in which we were talking about fossil fuels and the environment and the weather, um, then we need to be moderate uh, in, in that regard. If we're talking about the consumption of water, then even that needs to be done in moderation. Of, of course, we know that water is the most beneficial thing that we can drink and it's uh, uh, we should drink a lot of it. But that's not to say that we should only be drinking water and we shouldn't consume any food or other such things as well. Um, so, it, it, like I said, everything needs to be done in consideration and there's a time and place for everything. And we'll be getting into uh, more detail uh, about what the impact uh, of the body, uh, what, what the impact is if the body lacks drinking uh, water intake, uh, why is drinking in the morning highly recommended, uh, the requirements for water suitable for consumption, and all of these other things as well. Uh, but before we do so, we do have with us on the line our next guest for the show, Professor Lewis Halsey, um, who is a professor of environmental uh, physiology at the University of Roehampton in London. Uh, he leads the Roehampton University Behaviour and Energetics Lab, uh, Rubel, in researching questions about the behavioral uh, physiology and the energy expenditure of animals and humans. A major aspect of his research investigates the effects of ambient temperatures on the behavior, physiology, and uh, metabolic rate um, of humans and other animals. He is interested in, in how changes in air temperature influence body temperatures, cardiovascular responses, and energy expenditure, both when at rest and during activity slash exercise as well. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Morning. Good morning and thank you for, for being with us today. Um, we're talking about an interesting topic here in regards to the benefits of drinking water regularly for our health. And the first question that we wanted to ask you was what are the potential health benefits uh, associated with actually drinking water? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in a way, it's uh, the issue would be what are the problems of not drinking water? Okay, so first of all, as you mentioned already, you know, water's the probably the best fluid we can intake most of the time. Just plain water, uh, no calories, no toxins in it, and we need to drink a good amount of it. 
super important for all of us, particularly in hot weather, mm. particularly for women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, extra particularly for people who are being physically active. Maybe they're walking to work, maybe they work outdoors, maybe they're doing uh, exercise or sport, and also particularly important for people who are ill or recovering for, from illness. So, you know, water's great, but you don't just have to drink water because water is great but can be a little bit boring. And actually, what I would say here, if I may, is that sometimes a, a good trick of a little bit of flavor in your water, whether you're making it into a cup of tea or a little bit of um, syrup in the bottom of your glass, just a little bit, not, not too much, can encourage people to drink more because it makes it a more attractive taste. Um, so, yeah, water, flavored water, cups of tea, things like that, and plenty of it. Uh, is absolutely essential for all aspects of your body to function well. After all, we're all sit, sat here. We think we're very complicated individuals. Well, we might be, but we're more than 70% water. Mm. Yeah. Um, we, we actually, we were talking about um, how it's essential for our our organs as well uh, for us to, to, to consume a good amount of water as well. Um, could you uh, enlighten our listeners in regards to why uh, water is essential for th- for the kidneys to function properly? I mean, the kidneys, in a sense, are based on water. Yeah. So the, the, the kidneys, they have two main objectives. One is to filter the toxins out of our body, uh, which naturally occur, these toxins. And the other thing is to control our salt and water volumes in our body. So they've got these two sometimes kind of opposing objectives because the kidneys receive blood from our body. Some, some of the blood going around our body gets to our kidneys. And when it pushes into the kidneys, the kidneys get to work to filter that blood, to keep the good things and get rid of the bad things. And if, you, if, if you're dehydrated, if your body water levels are low, your kidneys just can't get enough blood and thin enough blood to be able to operate, to be able to cleanse that blood and remove the toxins, which ultimately get flushed out of your body in your urine. Now, the body, that the kidneys have got to get those toxins into water to basically produce that urine, right? But at the same time, if you're dehydrated, the kidneys are trying really hard to not produce a lot of urine because the more you urinate, the less water you've got in your body. Mm. So the kidneys have got this problem then when you're dehydrated. So we want to be kind to our kidneys, keep ourselves hydrated so that the kidneys have got plenty of blood and plenty of of water, if you like, to play with in balancing out, getting rid of our toxins through urinating, you know, uh, whilst not having to be too, um, too thrifty with the urine that's produced because we're, we're dehydrated. If we're dehydrated, it puts the kidneys under under strain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, are, are there uh, diseases which are associated with, uh, with not drinking water? Lots. Um, and, you know, look, I want to be careful here. On the other hand, people shouldn't be guzzling water every 10 seconds yeah. and be on the toilet all day. So, yeah. you know. But... Uh, an obvious one, something that's topical at the moment for uh, people, not in the UK right now, but in Europe, we know there's a heat wave on, is heat injury. Mm-hmm. So if you don't drink enough fluids, particularly if you're doing exercise or activity, or again, if you're, if you're laboring 
outside, you can end up with what's called heat injury. And that ranges from getting cramps in the muscles, which is annoying but not terrible, to heat exhaustion, to actually potentially life-threatening heat strokes if you get really dehydrated. Oh. I mean, I stress that's in extremis, but it, it can happen. Another problem, coming back to the kidneys, is urinary and kidney problems. So if, if people are repeatedly becoming dehydrated, and this is very easily done, it's very common, you can get urinary tract infections, which are painful, kidney stones, which are super painful, and kidney failure, which is a bit of a disaster. Uh, and some people, you know, again, this is, this is more extreme, but it certainly happens, and it will happen this summer, as seizures. So if we get an electrolyte, a salt imbalance in our bodies because we're dehydrated, uh, then chemical signals around the body can't be sent properly because they're sent based on this system of electrolytes. Uh, and then you get involuntary muscle contractions and you can end up with a loss, loss of consciousness. So that, that can be down to, to seizures. One more, if I may, is, is low blood volume. One of the fancy term is hypovolemic or hypovolemia, low blood volume. And you can get a shock associated with this. It's again, to do with dehydration. If, if it, again, if the blood volume in your body gets too low, blood pressure will decrease. Blood pressure will decrease, and that means you struggle. The body struggles to deliver oxygen around the body because we're delivering oxygen around the body through our blood. So low blood volumes due to dehydration, low oxygen levels around the body, uh, and that can cause us big problems too. So, so basically, all in all, there's there's a huge array of problems uh, which can arise with not drinking enough water uh, or, or even drinking uh, dirty water, uh, which obviously is not really a problem over here. But in other parts of the world, that's uh, that's a huge uh, problem as well. And we'll be, we'll be addressing that later on throughout the show as well. Um, lastly, uh, how does staying properly hydrated uh, support our overall health and uh, immune system as well? Well, you're absolutely right. You know, when you summarized it well, there's this plethora of uh, problems that can occur if we're dehydrated. Mm. Um, and this includes the immune system. So, to, again, for the body to be able to eliminate toxins and bacterias, okay, that can cause infection, we need to be well hydrated because being well hydrated makes it much easier for our body to distribute oxygen and nutrients well, and again, to be able to flush out from the body, typically through urinating, waste materials. So a lack of water in the body, you know, strains the machinery. Um, and also optimal hydration can support biochemical pathways in the body, some of which are involved with the immune system, the communication of our immune system, which is spread throughout our body. So, you know, it helps the passage of information around the body as well. Again, we're 70% water. So water is just so fundamentally important to our bodies. Most certainly. I uh, couldn't agree more. And, and, and that that um, is the is the take home message, isn't it? Um, so much uh, of our of our body is, in fact, water. Um, and it, it just makes sense to to consume um, uh, the right amount as well so that we, we don't damage uh, our, our bodies. So uh, uh, thank you. 
for for answering our questions, sharing your insight into this 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 hugely important topic, especially due to the climate uh, um, uh, that we're going through these days as well. Um, so yeah, again, thank you uh, once again, and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead. My pleasure. Thank you, and you. Thank you. Bye bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. Um, that was uh, our esteemed guest, uh, Professor Lewis Halsey, who is sharing his uh, insight with us. Uh, Professor of Environmental Physiology at the University of Roehampton. Uh, he and he leads the Roehampton University Behavior and Energetics Lab, Rubel, in researching questions about the behavioral physiology and energy expenditure of animals and humans. And she, he was there sharing his. Uh, thoughts with us and some very interesting things that we learned from that discussion. Um, Jalice, what is uh, we, we've we've addressed uh, with our guest the impact of of the body that uh, it, the, what lacks when uh, when we don't have enough uh, water intake. Um, why is drinking water uh, in the morning uh, highly recommended? Yeah, so it's it's highly recommended, um, of course, to drink water in the morning. Uh, why? Because otherwise the afternoon uh, slump, as it is said, is likely to hit even harder. You know, a good way to ensure that you're always hydrated is to keep a water of bottle on hand. And drinking water first in the morning also helps prevent kidney stones and offers protection to one's uh, colon and bladder from infections. Um, in addition, drinking in addition, uh, you know, drinking water on an empty stomach increases one's body's efficiency uh, to fight against infections. Um, you know, even some research, uh, some research uh, studies have um, uh, have highlighted that drinking water uh, first in the morning also helps improve mental performance. Furthermore, a glass of uh, again cold water in the morning can also be highly beneficial for one's, um, you know, one's overall health and metabolism. Um, you know, more on this, uh, we, we do have a uh, guest with us, Professor uh, Nathan, uh, one of the foremost uh, liver disease and nutrition uh, researchers in the world. Uh, Nathan Davies is a professor of biochemistry at the UCL Faculty of Medical Sciences. Professor Davies is an expert in the field of acute on chronic liver disease. He has published over 135 peer-reviewed publications and over 280 articles in total, has an outstanding H-index of 43 and is currently an investigator on numerous research grants uh, totaling over 15 million uh, euros. In addition to the uh, to his groundbreaking uh, work as a uh, liver disease and nutrition researcher, Nathan is both the head uh, of education for the world leading division of medicine at UCL and director of nutrition education at UCL. Under Professor Nathan's leadership, nutrition has become uh, one of the fastest growing areas of study at a master's level in the entire UCL medical science uh, sciences faculty. Professor Nathan is also a registered uh, nutritionist, nutritionist with the Association of Nutrition. Uh, Aslam alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the breakfast show. Oh, thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Um, we are glad to have you with us, and we have a few questions that we would like to ask you. And just just from the beginning, it's uh, the first question will be: uh, How does drinking water help our brains uh, brain function better? Okay, so 
If you think uh, it's slightly the other way around, it's more the fact that when we're fully hydrated, our brains are working perfectly. Uh Um, But as we become more dehydrated, then we start to lose some of that mental function. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take a huge amount um, to become, as we become mildly dehydrated, as we start to lose concentration. So there's lots of studies that have been done, lots of studies in school children where they've measured school children as they turn up in the morning, the ones who sort of don't have breakfast, don't drink things in the morning, and they turn up at school mildly dehydrated. Uh, and if they test them, simple tests, memory tests, then they'll find they don't do so well. If they give them something to drink and restore their fluid levels, then their concentration improves, their memory improves, and their inability to do the schoolwork. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's, think of it some more the other way around. When we're fully hydrated, we're great, and as we start to lose a little bit of that, that water level in our bodies, then, uh, you know, the confusion starts to creep in. I see, I see. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, we've spoken about this earlier in the show, um, and uh, we, we we thought we'd get, get your... Uh, your uh, insights on this as well. Um, how much is uh, how much water is enough? That's one of those um, how long is a piece of string questions. <laughs> so if you look at the guidance, um, the NHS will say that you need to drink about eight glasses of water a day, but they're not yeah. so helpful that they don't want to say what a lot is. Mm. Um, if you look to sort of European um, Food Safety Authority, they they're a little bit more prescriptive. And they say that um, you should be drinking around about two and a half litres of water a day. Um, but that depends on how big you are, how active you are, what the temperature's like. So if you're you know, if you're sat in the middle of Spain at the moment where it's 40 degrees heat, then that's clearly not enough. If you're sat in the north of Norway and it's a lot cooler outside, it's probably fine. So it, you know, it also assumes that it's sort of normal temperate conditions. But... Uh, Two and a half litres of water is probably a, a good rule of thumb for, for most people, although if you're pregnant, you need to add a few glasses on, or if you're breastfeeding, you need to add a few extra glasses on as well. Yeah, yeah, um, I see. And uh, apart from, uh, you know, uh, water helping with brain functions, apart from that, you know, what can happen if a person doesn't drink enough water and become hydrated? So it sort of depends on what you do, whether you mean sort of, you start off with sort of mild dehydration. Mild dehydration is um, push your blood pressure up because you know a lot of your blood is water. So as you become dehydrated, you start to lose fluid. In the first place it goes from is there, and so um, obviously pushing your blood pressure up is not a great thing. Um, you it it does have a, an impact in your sort of digestive system. Um, I think you mentioned earlier on. So drinking water you know, with meals as well that's all sort of good. It helps to push things forward. It helps also helps things like stop things like constipation as well if you've got plenty of water in the system when you get beyond sort of mild dehydration and you get into sort of extreme dehydration so you know people wandering off in the desert and uh, leaving their cars behind and uh, you can have all sorts of really serious complications which probably not what we're talking about but heat stroke it sort of kicks in um, you know your kidneys start to lose function then people sort of start slipping into comas and it gets a lot more serious after that but for mild, you know, mild dehydration, mainly it's about tiredness, it's about poor judgment, it's about confusion, things like that. I see, I see. And um, how does water assist in the absorption of nutrients from food that we eat? Well, drinking drinking water with meals is a good thing. I mean, one thing is also it helps you feel full as well. So if you think about it, if you're drinking water with you have your food as well, you'll feel fuller sooner and you won't eat so much. That's a good thing. 
for the most part, you know, your your body has got like an intelligent digestive system and it will mix in, you know, as much water and as much other things it needs to help sort of break down your food. But if it's doing that and it's taking water from elsewhere, it's not so good. So having water in there helps just to, if you think about it, um, the mixing up, the breaking down, the separating out of all those nutrients in order to make them absorbed, it happens, you know, in a sort of liquid mush anyway. Um, so adding water into it helps that process along. So it just sort of frees things up a bit, loosens the mix. I see. So I that see. Uh, the absorption happens sooner. Yeah, I see. I mean, uh, there are some, uh, I, I have personally met with some people as well who, who they, they refrain from drinking water with their meals because they they feel like they will, if they drink water, then they may uh, eat more. Uh, what is your view on this? I mean, I, I, you have just mentioned right now that drinking water with our meals is a good thing. Uh, is, there's no other side effects with the, in this when it comes to food and water together? No, no, drink, drinking water is fine. I see. Yeah, it's, uh, as I said, if, you, if you're looking to maybe you know, cut down a little bit what you're eating, mm-hmm. drinking that water will make you feel full. And that you get that sort of full signal coming back that says, it's okay, you can stop eating now. Ah, it happens a little bit quicker, that's all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just lastly, why is drinking water you know, good for our teeth and oral health? Oh, well, that's just a case of um, washing the teeth clean. You know, if you're, uh, if you think about you know, what happens in your mouth as it sort of starts to dry out, the more as things dry out, you know, the concentration of all the the bacteria and the bugs and things around your teeth and gums increases. So when you drink water, and particularly when you're drinking water uh, rather than sort of sugary drinks, um, you're just washing some of those off and sort of you know diluting the environment in the mouth. So it's yeah, and those bugs that are there in the mouth, as we all have them will just get washed down into your stomach. Your stomach's got lots of acid in there and lots of other things that breaks them down, it's, so it renders them harmless. So, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to, to give your mouth a good uh, wash out every now and again. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Um, yeah, so, so thank you for you know joining us and answering our questions, and hopefully we we, we hope that we can have you on again as a guest um, uh, in the near future. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, have a lovely day and a beautiful week ahead. Thanks so much. Have a great day yourself, and uh, very, very happy... Very pleased to uh, to chat with you this morning. Thanks a lot. Likewise. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Professor Nathan, one of the foremost uh, liver disease and nutrition researchers in the world. And a very interesting um, discussion and uh, uh, very uh, insightful answers given to the questions that we um, have. And it's a very interesting topic as well, wouldn't you say, um, Summer? Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. I think just uh, just one or two more things before we move on to, to our last segment for the day. The requirements for water suitable for consumption. I think this is essential as well. Um, because uh, it's uh, for for drinking water to be wholesome, uh, water actually needs to be assessed uh, to ensure that it doesn't contain anything which may be a potential danger to human health. Uh, we sort of touched on this with our uh, our earlier guest as well in in regards to um, it being a problem elsewhere, uh, not here in the in the UK or in Europe, uh, but in other places of the of the world. Uh, we spoke to Professor uh, Lewis Halsey about this. Um, oh, we we'll, we'll touched on it, yeah. Um, and um, 
this uh, wholesome actually it can it can include assessing factors such as looks the smell and taste of the water and it, it needs to be safe and acceptable to customers um, although the provision of water services has risen across the developing world during the past 20 years those gains have largely been cancelled out by population growth many parts of the world now face the specter of uh, water scarcity um, because of climate change uh, pollution and overconsumption our challenge is to provide water services to to all uh, especially to the poor uh, to maximize water productivity especially the, in agriculture which accounts for the lion's share of global water use yet it's uh, it's often inefficient in many of its routine water using practices and to ensure that rivers and groundwater aquifers uh, that are shared between two or more countries are equitably and harmoniously managed. Um, <clears throat> in his uh, keynote speech uh, delivered on the 15th National Peace Symposium, His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, as Mr. Masood Ahmad, his helper, um, said that there are numerous countries where the majority of citizens do not have access to clean drinking water and are forced to survive by using dirty pond water to fulfill their basic needs. Even that, too, is not easily available. Rather, the women and children have to travel each day for miles on end to collect water for their families, which they carry home in big vessels balanced on their heads. Uh, on another occasion, speaking about his own experience living in uh, Africa during the 1970s and 80s, uh, His Holiness, he mentioned that it was through my experience of living in Africa for some years that I came to truly understand the value of water and not just the value of water, but the value in particular of clean drinking water. I have seen with my own eyes, he says, young children walking one or two miles with large buckets filled with water balanced on their heads. Uh, and even today in some poor parts of Africa, this trend continues. I myself sometimes had to travel for more than 10 miles to get water for personal use and so I would fill a water drum and transport it on a pickup truck as I said uh, it is only when a person has to make such efforts to get water that he comes to realize its true value um, and uh, that it just goes to show how important it is it is for us to not waste uh, especially here in the West uh, not waste uh, any of the resources that we have. Uh, right now, we're currently talking about water. So, so in in particular, I'll I'll address that. But uh, when it comes to any of the the necess necessities that we have, we should always be mindful uh, and never waste uh, these things and use everything in moderation. Um, and only then will we be able to um, serve mankind in a better way as well. Uh, going to our last topic now um, in regards to the homeless. Uh, Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, describes the rise in the number of sleepless people in London as deeply worrying, quote-unquote. A cost-of-living crisis and a lack of affordable housing are to blame, uh, according to homeless charity St. Mungo's. Um, but according to a report by the Homeless Association and Information Network, people who sleep well also have been on the rise the latest homeless uh, figures released in a report commissioned and funded by the Greater London Authority, GLA, found that 10,053 people uh, were seen sleeping on the street between April 2022 and March this year. 
Um, Jalees, uh, if we uh, if we look at this reported data, how is the comparison of the number of homeless people since the previous year to the present? Yes, yeah, so the latest <coughs> excuse me, the latest um, report indicates a concerning increase in the number of homeless people in London compared to the previous year between uh, April. 2022 and March of uh, this year, uh, there were, like you mentioned, uh, 10,053 recorded instances of individuals sleeping on the streets in London. Um, you know, these figures underscore the urgency of addressing the issue and highlight the need of, you know, effective measures uh, to prevent um, further increases in uh, homelessness. I mean, um, you know, even if we look at uh, the you know the holy quran we see that uh, you know the holy quran says that when you are the best people raised for the good of mankind so when 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 as as muslims when we, when we see um something uh, you know a report like this it only goes to show that we should as muslims be uh, and of course as the holy quran said that we muslims are you know uh, you are the best people raised for the good of mankind we should take this opportunity to help mankind and help the homeless in any way which we possibly can. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Sadiq Khan's advice to the government in dealing with the homeless uh, and what initiatives uh, have been um, and will be carried out by Prince William to end homelessness. Well, Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, has advised the government to tackle the underlying causes of homelessness, particularly the cost of living crisis and the lack of affordable housing. Um, <clears throat> he emphasizes uh, the importance of prioritizing affordable housing initiatives and implementing rent control measures to prevent excessive rent uh, uh, increases, which can contribute, of course, to homelessness. On the other hand, the article does not provide specific details about Prince William's initiatives. However, it mentions his active involvement in efforts to end homelessness through collaboration with homelessness charities and raising awareness about the issue. Um, we will be addressing um, what the view uh, and role of society towards people who sleep on the streets is and uh, if time allows, then uh, why should we help uh, uh, people in need and what are the uh, psychological benefits for us as well uh, in just a short while. But before we do so, we do have with us on the line um, our last guest uh, for the show, um, Yusuf Aftab, Chairman of Humanity First, uh, the charity organisation which we mentioned earlier and, of course, a regular contributor here at the Voice of Islam radio station. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon on you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Walaikum Asalaam and good morning to yourselves. Zakla, uh, thank you um, for, 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 for being with us today. We're speaking about a very interesting topic uh, in regards to um, uh, homelessness and what we can actually do to help uh, the homelessness, uh, the homeless as well. Um, and the first question in this regard was uh, that we wanted to ask you was, could you please uh, inform our listeners um, on what Humanity First UK is uh, and has done to end homelessness, especially uh, with the rough sleepers? Yes, yeah, so um, maybe for uh, just your listeners, I'll, I'll give a background to what Humanity First is for first uh, in terms of Humanity First is an international organization. It's registered in uh, best part of 63 countries um, and specifically in the UK. Um, we've been operating for quite a lot of years. So Humanity First globally is what uh, for operating for 25 years and covers a variety of different work from disaster relief response to um, ongoing development programs, education, 
um, water for life, gift of sight, etc. These type of things. Um, specifically in the UK, and, and uh, answering your question in terms of homelessness, we know it's a, a massive problem. If we look at the research that's even conducted by Shelter, one of the biggest charities in regards to this, um, they've they've done a they've done a, a study and saying that uh, based on research, there's about 271,000 people that are homeless currently at the moment. That's recorded in England, and, and that's probably. Um, a tip of the iceberg, to be honest with you, is probably more than uh, more people than that. And out of that, there's uh, about 123,000 children. So what Humanity First tend to do is we've got a we've got in West Yorkshire and also in Walsall, we've got two food banks. And through the operations of the food bank, um, working with the councils, working with the local communities, and so forth, we are then made aware of uh, people of the greatest need. And then we able we are able to provide them with food, um, support them in terms of uh, working with the charities, of, of getting them into shelter, and just providing provisions and aid that that is needed. Also, um, we we go out and where there are people uh, that are homeless that may need hot drinks, uh, blankets, etc., pro- providing with those provisions as well. Now. We have uh, over the winter conducted um, camps in terms of medical camps there as well to be able to check people's basic blood pressure, etc., and these type of things, and then advise them accordingly. So these are just a, a little bit of the things that Humanity First tend to do. Well, I mean, it's a, such, such an amazing uh, a, amount of work which is being done to help um, all categories of people uh, over here. Currently, we're addressing um, uh, homelessness, uh, and that's why, of course, we're talking about that. But even if it comes to um, uh, disasters, when it comes to uh, anything else as well, we were talking about in the first topic, we addressed um, uh, um, weather crisis. Um, in the second, we talked about... Uh, um, uh, um, uh, 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 about uh, drinking water as well. So in any one of these categories which we've uh, uh, mentioned today, uh, Humanity First has done a huge part um, to, 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 to play in terms of helping uh, and assisting people. Um, another question that I wanted to ask you in this regard when it comes to rough sleepers is if we see, uh, we're walking down the street and we, we see uh, rough sleepers, how can we as individuals help them? What's the best thing that we can do for them? Yeah, it's quite simple. Look, um, Humanity First is is uh, an auxiliary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association. So, number one, our faith dictates that we should, you know, and, and we, we have to. It is an obligation upon us to look after the rights of people. And, and it's simple to be able to ask somebody um, to make sure that they're okay and provide them support. A lot of these people that are homeless, um, unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond their control at times, you know, they might have had financial crisis, there may be other problems that are going on that they've unfortunately become homeless. So whether you can provide somebody with um, some food, and purchase some food for them, some hot drinks, uh, able to give them some blankets and so forth and support them, or being able, even being able to speak to them and, and try to get them out of this slumber that they're in and, and signpost them into help and support through the councils and other agencies as well, that they can um, get the necessary help that they need to be able to support them. Secondly, I would say, you know, even from a humanitarian perspective, you know, just let's just take religion out of it, that it's also incumbent on us as human beings to, we're social animals, to ask about each other. And um, that, that is a key thing as well. 
Um, and the final point I'll probably say is that sometimes when you go past homeless people, you'll see that they'll have cups or they'll put a, a little sheet out, a little bowl, and, and they'll be asking for money. Um, usually, at the end of the day, we, we shouldn't be judgmental, you know, they're, if they're looking for food and so forth. Again, like I said, if they are, buy them some food. But do be mindful of this, that some people that are homeless, unfortunately, uh, do uh, do you know, drugs and so forth as well. What you don't want to do is feed that habit um, of alcohol and drugs. So you just need to be mindful that when you are helping somebody that, from a genuine piece of your heart that you're trying to do the right thing, just make sure that it's not going towards them then becoming worse in terms of um, their plight that they're in. So um, it's easier sometimes just to go and buy them something, give that, and then you know that you've done the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. The, that's uh, that's a very beneficial thing for uh, for our listeners as well. Um, do you think the number of rough sleepers increase um, every day? Do you think there's more people in comparison to previous years who are sleeping rough? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, there's a lot of research that's been done on Shelter. Yeah. Uh, if you're again, if your audience hasn't heard of Shelter, it's a charity. I I, I know some of the people within that charity that work there that I worked with Humanity First before and we've worked with them. Uh, based on their latest stats and data that they've done, um, they're saying that's an estimated, like I said, it just could be the tip of the iceberg in terms of on a, on a single night, people that are living rough, and these were data from March 2023, so it's probably what, about four months old. Mm-hmm. There was roughly about 2,500 people sleeping wow. rough on a single night. And the, the figures from what they're showing is that there's been a rise of about 342 people, which if you put it into perspective, is probably about 16%, they're saying, quarter on quarter, um, number of people that are increasing that are homeless. And like I, like I stated, this, this figure has increased from 2022 when they had done their research. I think at that time, there had been, uh, since then, there's probably been a 35% rise from December 2022 to where we are in March 2023 wow. on on the number of people that are so, uh, homeless. So this figure keeps increasing. You've got to understand societal uh, changes as well. There's a cost of living crisis. Um, there's lots of other things going on. People generally, like I stated, that become homeless due to circumstances could be that they've borrowed a huge amount. Financially, things have crashed. Redundancies have made. There's other things that have gone on. And unfortunately, it leads many people to to go down that route. But there is, I think the silver lining of it is, there is support or help that is out there. And we just got to make sure that we do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. It's, it's all about uh, marrying the two together, isn't it? The the, the homelessness, uh, the, the, the people going through homelessness, the sleeping rough uh, with uh, the authority and uh, the council and all the assistance, which is which is already there. It's just a matter of, matter of uh, uh, tapping into that. Um, uh, Zakhar, unfortunately, we are coming up to the news and that's all the time that we have for today. But thank you once again uh, for, for being with us, for answering our questions and sharing your insight uh, in regards to this uh, this very important topic um so yeah thank you once again and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead thank you very much for having me thank you bye-bye Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you. That was uh, Yusuf Aftab, the chairman of Humanity First uh, UK, uh, sharing his thoughts with us. And it just puts into perspective how uh, dire the situation is uh, and how much there is a need 
of uh, of assisting and helping uh, individuals who are sleeping rough. Um, uh, even if we compare it, not even with last year, but uh, just a couple of months before the the last uh, um, survey was done, and it's uh, it's a huge uh, uh, percentage rise uh, in which we can see that people are, are sleeping rough, and 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 there's a, there's a few things. Um, and a few reasons why this is the case. Uh, rent, of course, is going up. The lot, cost of uh, living crisis uh, has increased as well. And it's uh, it's a very a difficult position that a lot of individuals are in. Um, and uh, that's why uh, they are they are bound uh, or not bound, but they are they are forced, I should say, to 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 not be pay rent and and go out onto the streets, isn't it? Indeed, I mean there there is a narration of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, in which he said that, um, uh, you know, on uh, that, uh, and I, I'll I'll paraphrase I'll paraphrase what it what it is because it's a very lengthy narration, where uh, God Almighty will you know say to to man that you know um, I was you know hungry and you did not feed me and I I I am uh, and the the, uh, the narration goes on. And uh, in response, man would then say to God that, God, when was it that you were hungry and we did not feed you? And God Almighty responded that it was when my uh, so-and-so person, so-and-so human being, so-and-so person in the world was in need of food, was in need of any help, and uh, nobody went and helped him. And this just highlights why it's important, why as Muslims, why we should look out for you know, um, you know th- those people who 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 are uh, homeless or who are sleeping on the streets or uh, doing our bit to help them out, as it's a, it's a it's a it, of course it's a duty for of all Muslims to to help where they can in this matter. Most certainly, um, and that does uh, bring us to the end of uh, this show. Um, thank you to everyone who was involved in this. Um, and uh, for for everyone listening in as well. Um, That's all that we have time for. Here is the news.